Take your scriptures this morning and return with me to Matthew chapter 8. Our text this morning runs 16 to 18. I'd like to begin reading back at verse 14 to catch the flow of the passage as we continue in our verse-by-verse study. Matthew 8, 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even or evening was come, they brought unto him, Christ, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast them out, cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment, to depart onto the other side. Father, we read in this record things that are familiar to us and things that are downright strange. Why would the Lord leave the great crowd that was gathering? That truth that we are confronted with at the end of today's text. But there is no doubt, and many of us are aware of it, that the scripture's record concerning the activities and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth in the first advent are recorded so that we can gain a healthy perspective as to who he is and what he can do for each of us. Help us then today, whether it be for firsthand information from the scripture or whether it be indeed for reminders that the person of Christ would be exalted in our midst, that we would come away with a better understanding of exactly who he is and what he came to do, and that we would be able to appropriate those things onto the development and the firmness of our own faith. Even as we've sung and prayed today, so we preach today, that believers' faith might be strong, and that faith might be established in the life of every sinner. Thank you for the occasion. We ask your blessing upon us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Having immediately come down from the hilltop and delivering the principles of God's kingdom, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, King Jesus repeatedly demonstrated his divine power as recorded here at the beginning of chapter 8. We are following the lead and the logic of Matthew in consideration of the Lord's authoritative words spoken and his powerful works that verified that opportunity among the Jewish nation at that time 
that very same authority and ability of Jesus that is purposely on display for us in the biblical record in order that we might come to the understanding that King Jesus spoke and acted as only God can do. Nobody can talk like that. Nobody can act like that except God. We've seen and studied together in this eighth chapter the miraculous help that Jesus gave to the leper, that Jesus gave to the centurion. And we reminded you by way of reading just now uh, the miraculous help that Jesus gave to Peter's mother-in-law in these three specific and miraculous vignettes. We witness the Lord's power and ability as exercised in relationship to the king's manifesto that was delivered. The unusual thing about the account of Peter's mother-in-law, immediately followed by what took place that evening, is that it is clear as to the fact that it is happening on a single Sabbath day. That thought of the Sabbath day helps us to understand the phrase, when the evening was come, they brought. Verse 16, those practicing religious Judaism would have not borne any physical burdens on the Sabbath day. But when once that day was done, about 6 o'clock in the evening, then it would be back to regular life and work routine. The word had spread that Jesus was in Peter's house and a mass of miserable and afflicted people gathered outside the door of that house when once they were religiously free to move without God's professing people criticizing them. Those who were severely miserable and afflicted were brought to Jesus, meaning that some of them were so miserable and so afflicted they could not of their own shuffling of feet or mobility uh, come to where Jesus was. They needed help. And so the account tells us that many were so miserable and so afflicted that they were brought. And it's interesting because the word that Matthew uses there for brought is the same word for the presentation of an offering, the presentation of a gift, uh, or the presentation of a person, like an introduction to a person, a digni dignitary in the midst. In this case, many miserable and afflicted people were brought by their family members and by their friends in order that they might see Jesus, even as Jesus had seen Peter's mother-in-law as the great physician. None of them, of course, knew about Peter's mother-in-law, but had heard, certainly, of what had happened with the leper, and had heard, certainly, what had happened with the centurion, and their personal anticipation of relief from personal misery and affliction, caused that excited crowd to swell uh, with the diseased and the afflicted and their caregivers. Jesus helped them. 
And the plain reading of the text says, Jesus helped them all on this night of record. I have often thought that if the Lord were to grant to one of his servants in today's world the ability of healing, why would you not go to the hospital and put them out of business? (laughs) And it's so uh, insightful for us to recognize that the Lord Jesus, on this occasion of record, uh, didn't just help people, he helped them all. Now, does he always do that physically in the body? No. But does he always help all who come to him? Yes. One of the good things I get to preach today is that if you'll come to the Lord, if you'll come to God, if you will appropriate the truth of Jesus Christ for your own personal life, uh, he will help you. He helps all who come to to him. On another occasion, Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to God, if you come to the Lord, he will not turn you away. I'll tell you, that's something to know in this old world, because there are plenty of criticizers and rejectors out there uh, for us all. And yet anyone who indeed comes to Jesus will be received by the Lord Jesus. That's good to know. That's good to know, even as we work to the text. Now, the accounting of the three specific vignettes, specifically and grammatically, is made to culminate in the mass of people in a mess. The three little specific vignettes, the leper, the centurion, and Peter's mother-in-law, those three little vignettes are grammatically and intentionally, uh, under Matthew, by spirit inspiration, uh, they are indicating the aspect of where all this goes. And it all goes to the moment of record in which the Lord deals with the mass of people in a mess. Two things I want to say about that quick. Number one, the mass of people are still in a mess. And number two, the Lord's work is of great and sufficient power to deal with the mass of people in a mess. Now, the Lord's helping them all, regardless of the kind of affliction uh, that was presented to him, is certainly... Uh, impactful to our understanding. We then continue to see in all this the Lord's authority and the Lord's ability on display with growing evidence of his kindness and affection. Going way back to Matthew 5, 6, 7, now 8, There are some themes that are developing concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You and I are to perceive that he is the authoritative one. He is the all-authoritative one. And there is only one all-authoritative one, and that is God. And therefore, the plain teaching of The right-minded church is, Jesus is God, in flesh, human flesh. 
as is recorded of Matthew in our text. Authority, ability. Uh, God can do anything he desires to do anytime he desires to do it. That's not true of me. That's not true of you. That's not true of anybody but God. But Jesus has that authority. Jesus has that ability. And Jesus has that affection for the mass of people in a mess. The Lord cares about the mass of people in the mass. But certainly the most important thing from a theological standpoint for our consideration this morning is the truth that Jesus did not just help those sick and afflicted souls on that evening after Sabbath as recorded, but by helping them, he proved something, and he fulfilled something. He didn't just help, he proved, and he fulfilled. Consider then, as we printed the outline for you in the bulletin, the continuing voice of the king in faithful communication. Mark chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us that on this Sabbath day of record, Jesus had entered, earlier in the day, had entered the synagogue and taught. I assume that that took place before he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so that helps your mind to uh, be able to wrap itself around a little bit what the Lord had done in this particular day of record. Matthew does not say here uh, that Jesus taught anything particular uh, after he heals Peter's mother-in-law and then after he goes outside as the mass of people in a mess uh, stand at the door in great anticipation and excitement. Uh, he does not, it's no record of Matthew here that Jesus taught any particular thing because Matthew previously has made it clear that Jesus regularly uh, persisted in teaching and preaching and calling for repentance in the light of the kingdom of God as to its opportunity. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 is where we found that in previous study. In other words, uh, the Bible is so phenomenally understated, meaning that the words are just so absolutely word-for-word word perfect, uh, that you have to remember what you previously got from the Word and to bring that, as it were, with you when you come to the Word uh, so that you have a clear understanding of what's happening here. And the idea that there were just a bunch of people outside the door and there was the noise of a crowd uh, that was a gathering and there were afflicted people uh, and uh, diseased people and their caregivers all gathered and the excitement and the noise of all that outside the door. Uh, uh, you, you, you could get the impression from Matthew that the door opens and the crowd gasps and Jesus walks out and zip, 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 zip. People are healed. Good night. Have a nice evening. See you tomorrow. No. Jesus would have walked out that door with the lips poised to speak truth to the crowd concerning their relationship with God above and the grand purpose of the kingdom offer that was before them with the representation of the Messiah who stood in their midst. There would have been a lot of words shared. The voice of truth continued to be faithfully represented and particularly to the nation of Israel concerning the time 
of their opportunity, which was at hand. That was a unique moment of opportunity for the old Jewish nation in the first century. Jesus spoke the truth, and he spoke the truth authoritatively in relationship to the time of opportunity then. And then he also spoke the truth of God authoritatively and bore witness of the reality of truth that is to be found in all generations concerning him. In other words, reading, studying scriptures like this help you, help me, to make up our mind about Jesus Christ the Lord and the truth of God as found in him. Without records like this, you and I would not have enough information to to settle our minds rationally, logically, reasonably upon the truth of Christ, the gospel of Christ, as to what he came to do, as to what he actually did, and what is indeed our opportunity in time here and now. Here is God's truth. Here is the record of past opportunity for the Jewish nation. Here is God's truth, and here is representation of your opportunity with the Lord today. The continuing voice of the king in faithful communication. Secondly, uh, we find those vexed of evil spirits that were brought to him for help and relief. I note from the advertisements that are taking place right now on television and in the media that Hollywood in this day, for the sake of a buck, would remind you of the horrors of demon possession and the ineptitude of religion to help such miserable and afflicted people. What is the point of another movie about exorcism? Coming to us, not from the authoritative word of God, but coming to us from people who could care less about God, but are interested in your money. Uh, What would be the point? Well, the point would be twofold. Number one, people in this world are miserable, messed up, and afflicted. And you've met some of them. Some of you have been some of them. But there's people in in this world like that. And secondly, and this is important, Hollywood wants you to know religion doesn't help. Hollywood wants you to know that uh, going to church doesn't help. Hollywood wants you to know that singing in the ladies' chorus doesn't help. Uh, Hollywood wants you to know uh, that, uh, uh, that preaching sermons doesn't help. Hollywood wants you to know uh, that people are in a mess. 
a spiritual hidden mass in their souls. And religion doesn't help. And so I'm so glad today to be able to stand here with open Bible and say, people are in a mess. And, and, and. Religion doesn't help. When's the last time you thought Hollywood got that one right? Religion doesn't help. There is no help for your soul in a church. There's no help for your soul in a pew. Help for your soul is in the person of Jesus Christ the Lord. That's it. And that's what the Bible teaches here. I get excited to tell it. <laughs> because uh, as to religion, <laughs> I'm not so much. But as to Christ, <clears throat> I'm all in. And you should be too. All in with Christ. But I would remind you for the sake of sense and sensibility this morning that the created angel class of spirits gone wild is more powerful and intelligent than any human being. Therefore, it is not surprising to hear that the adversary of the soul dominates the life of some for evil purpose and misery. Misery to themselves... Yep, and misery for others. Think of those weary caregivers trying to help a person off their meds as if the meds would solve the problem. The Apostle John tells us that the whole world of mankind is buried in an evil grave of sin under the dominating influence of the wicked one. But some sinners have become puppets. Some sinners have become puppets on the devil's string. Sad and scary conditions are such that you really don't even want to think about it. But herein, interestingly, herein, interestingly, we do not find the chanting gyrations of long and extended wrestling matches with unseen spirits of evil bent as portrayed by Hollywood. What we do find is a simple statement. He cast out spirits with his word. And the word for word, if you're interested, is Logos. The Logos. 
simply spoke the Logos and goodbye demon. King Jesus simply said to each plaguing spirit before him in a miserable and afflicted person, Go! That's it. No waving of a cross. No jumping, jumping jacks in the name of Jesus. Just the authority of the word of living God. Jesus said, go, and they did. They all did. They all did because they had to. Listen carefully. Creatures, even fallen angelic creatures, cannot withstand a direct command from God. Could God speak a single word and all demonic influences in the world be gone now and forever? Yep! Why doesn't he? Simple. God wants you to know who he is and what he's done for you. And God is so serious about you knowing what he's done for you that uh, he allows the demons to continue to puff and huff and spread their ridiculousness so that you and I can see in the word of God written that Jesus spoke and acted as God. He did not jump all over the place. He did not quote some ancient chants delivered by some wizard who came on a broom. No, Jesus spoke and acted as God. And by simply a word, go, those evil spirits had to go. And they did. And they all did. That was quite a night. Would you like to have been there? I would. I would like to have been there. Number three, all sick and diseased people before him that evening were restored to physical vitality. Again, we ask, could not the Lord eliminate all sickness among sinful men even now? Sure. Could not the Lord of glory eliminate all poverty in the face of all the earth in 2023? Sure. But the Lord said the poor are always among mankind. And we know that that is likewise true for vexing and sickness. Furthermore, the parade of death among sinful mankind, continues to march. Why? 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 Well, because God knows that physical poverty, physical sickness, physical vexing, and even physical death are not the core of our problem. What did I just say? I just said that the evil one's assaults 
the sicknesses of your body and mind, the, the reality of your poverty, and even the fresh evidence of physical death is not evidence of our core problem before God. The problem as King Jesus preached it in the manifesto was that God demands of mankind a righteousness as he, God, is righteous. And no sinful man can do that. And so the good news, the gospel, is that God in Christ came to deal with sin that we might be forever right with God. These temporary suspensions of human misery and affliction at the word and at the touch of Jesus point us to the core problem of mankind, namely sin and forever death. These recorded healings and helpings point us to the greater work of God in Christ, first advent, in dealing with mankind's sin and death at the cross. He helped many people as they knew they needed help so that we might see him as the Savior from sin by the blood of his cross. In other words, it happened the way it happened so that you and I would be able to see it for ourselves that Jesus is the Savior, the Redeemer of mankind. And the big news of the Scripture, as most of you know, is Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and on the third day resurrected and then is now ascended as Lord forevermore with this promise. I am coming back. Oh, may this be the day that Jesus returns. I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're ready for that. Fourth thing here, the validation of Hebrew prophecy. Matthew quotes Isaiah 53, 4 as proof of the greater work of God the Son, our Savior. The anointed one of God, who is God, become flesh for the work of redemption from sin would, according to Isaiah's prophecy, take up in hand or bear upon himself human infirmity and the nasty burdens of various sicknesses. This record of the very kind of work that Jesus did on that evening of of Matthew's note proves and validates Jesus as the Christ or Jesus as the Messiah and of course then points us to the greater work that he came to accomplish, even as we stated it, on the cross. Thus, Matthew says that the prophecy pronounced 700 years prior to the moment of this record of fulfillment by the person and the work of Jesus. 
is, uh, is, uh, uh, is to be taken in as evidence or proof concerning uh, the reality of who he is and what he actually came to do. If you read verse 17 even more carefully, it says that Jesus acted to fulfill or to complete the prophetic pronouncement at that very time of record. And that brings that idea of validation. The miracles of the Bible were not done just for the purpose of helping people, although they helped a lot of people, and on this evening, they helped all the people that needed help. But the purpose of those miraculous demonstrations was not, it did not find its end gate, it did not find its goal uh, once the person was helped or healed. The goal was validation. The goal was recognition. And the recognition is on your part and my part as to who Jesus is and what he came to do for us. And so Matthew quotes Isaiah who prophesied concerning Messiah so that we can begin then to do the biblical math and say, here is this person named Jesus, and he did what was forecast to be done by the one uh, ordained of God and called the Christ, the anointed one, and therefore Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. O Lord, I come to thee. Knowing that if you come to God, if you come to the person of God, the Son, he will in no wise cast you out. He helped all who came to him. He helps all who come to him. That would be one of the preaching points. Brings us to number five this morning, the veneration of the heavenly king on earth. A large mass of people, many of which knew themselves to be in a mess, had gathered, and they were all held. So what would you guess happened the next day? Thereafter, the crowd grew in both size and expectation of more help of that kind. This kind of popularity and veneration is the kind of which the Lord will walk away. Let me say it a little different way. The current Christian brand of popularity and veneration for God is of the kind from which he walks away. God is not interested in the worship of many people as those people currently are in their souls before God. He did heal and help to validate his person and work, but the veneration, his soul demanded the veneration of the soul of Jesus Christ as demanded was the pleasure of his heavenly Father on the mission to seek 
and to save that which was lost. God has not ultimately acted to treat the symptoms of our sin, but to save human souls from the sin, their own sin, and forever death. I don't know if you ever thought the thought before, but this is why, listen, this is why God can only accept, can only be pleased, can only be uh, delighted in the worship of a believer in Jesus Christ. God is not pleased in the worship of people in ignorance. God is pleased and accepts the worship of believers in Christ. Why? Well, because the believer knows why the Heavenly Father sent the Eternal Son. And the believer knows exactly what the Eternal Son accomplished on behalf of sinful humanity. God cannot be ultimately pleased to temporarily relieve sickness or poverty or vexing and thereafter leave man in a condition of sin and eternal separation. God accepts the worship and praise of believers because they personally know his saving grace and the work of redemption from sin. That's why uh, the uh, Psalms say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed speak up. Let those that are saved sing. Let those that are saved uh, be those that bear witness uh, to the truth of God. Matthew's account of the authority and the ability and the affection of the Lord Jesus will continue to mount as we move on in our study. And yet, as we have already seen, there are two tracks of emphasis being carefully developed. Track number one has to do with the time of Israel's kingdom opportunity. Track number two has to do with the truth of Christ as king. The first track is important to know, but has nothing to do with you or me. The second track has everything to do with you and me. That first track involves the time of Israel's kingdom opportunity. Track number two is the truth of Christ the king. As a believer in Jesus, we ought to be lifting up our hearts in praise to God. We ought to be lifting up our voice of testimony to Jesus and lifting up, as it were, our actions, our behavior by the, Holy, by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to the pattern, to the model as given to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly how we ought to respond to such a sermon as this if, in fact, we know ourselves to be of faith in Jesus Christ. As a sinner, you need to know that today can be your day of salvation. And indeed, we say to you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the congregation of saints are joyful to join with me 
in voice, proclaiming, as we've sung now for a month, there is a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for another occasion to be able to raise the truth of Christ. So imperative to be raised in the life of every saint. And imperative to be raised in the life of every sinner. May our responses to you be pleasing today, we pray. In Jesus' blessed name and for his sake. Amen.